In this episode of Chronically Fulfilled Life, we are exploring a topic I have had so many questions about. It's a topic that can often be overlooked or undervalued, and that is the realities of dating while living with a disability or chronic illness. In this episode, I have an authentic conversation with sisters, Jacqueline and Alexa Child who are also the co-founders of Dateability. Dateability is the only dating app designed for disabled and chronically ill communities. Co-founder Jacqueline has turned her experience with disability and chronic illness into a new venture. She created Dateability with her sister after years of discouraging ableist experiences on the mainstream dating apps. When she isn't managing her health, Jacqueline enjoys playing the guitar, reading, and spending time with her family and dogs. Alexa, who is the co-founder of Dateability, graduated from Georgetown Law in 2015 and currently works as a public interest attorney. Through witnessing her sister's experience with disability, Alexa has become an advocate and ally for the disability community. She is passionate about social justice, enjoys TV and film, and loves all things Halloween. As you listen to the episode, we will learn more about their journeys, their sister dynamic, the challenges of dating with chronic illness, and the inspiration behind creating dateability. We learn what exactly is dateability, how to use the app, and what functions they have put in place to create a safe and inclusive space specifically designed for the disabled and chronically ill folks so they can show up as their authentic selves and navigate the dating world. Before we dive into today's episode, it's important to note that the content we discuss is based on personal experiences, and we want to emphasize that this is not medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare professionals for personalized guidance on your unique journey. I'm your host and chronic illness bestie, Alyssa Trulove, and this show is dedicated to honest and realistic conversations about building a life you love while navigating the challenges of chronic illness. There is no room for toxic positivity here, and I promise you I will never claim to have a magic cure for your chronic illness. But what I will do is share my real-life stories, provide genuine strategies, solutions, and invite some incredible guests to support you along your journey. You're listening to the Chronically Fulfilled Life Podcast. Hello, I am so excited to be back on the pod. And today I am even more excited to be joined by the co-founders of Dateability. Dateability is the only dating app out there that is actually designed for disabled and chronically ill communities. So I'm just giving you the biggest chronically fulfilled life. Warm welcome to Alexa and Jacqueline. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. So I would love to start if both of you wanted to would kind of like to share a little bit about yourself so we can get you to know you a little bit more. Yeah, I'll go first. I'm Alexa Child. I'm Jacqueline's older sister. I'm also the co-founder of Dateability. I am a public interest attorney, and so I 
have dedicated my entire legal career to helping vulnerable populations, which really aligns the mission of datability. I've been a fierce advocate and ally of the disability community since Jacqueline got sick when she was 14. And she's the reason why we went on this venture, but it ended up being for the whole disability community. And so we're really excited to be here and share our story. Yes. So hi, everyone. I'm Jacqueline. I am the co-founder of Datability, and I have a background in psychology, but I was never really able to use that education right outside of college because my health, although I had been diagnosed with chronic illnesses in ninth grade, my health really took a turn after college. And and so I was pretty lost and I I knew that I had more potential, but I just couldn't ever imagine how I would be able to, you know, make chronic illness and working actually work and until until now and with datability and now I'm my own boss and we can make I can make that work very well and yeah I, I was diagnosed with chronic illnesses as a young teenager and some of those are Ehlers-Danlos, dysautonomia, lupus, gastroparesis, arthritis and so I've been I've been dealing with all of these health issues for over half my life now which is incredible to think just how different life was than I had ever imagined it. But I'm learning every day how to cope and just make the most of what I've been given. Thank you both for sharing. It is so incredible to hear and see the dynamic that both of you have. I personally don't have a sister But if I did, I think the relationship that you two have is just, it's so incredible between supporting and showing up for each other and founding this incredible app. I just, I love that. Have the two of you always been close? Yeah, Yeah. not as close as we are now. I mean, I'm four years older. And so, you know, when you're 16 and 12, there's a huge difference. So there's... That. And so we used to fight when we were younger, and Jacqueline was a narc. So I was always getting- <laughs> I wild streak when I was younger, and so I was always getting in trouble, usually as a result of Jacqueline telling on me. So we didn't become, you know, we were always, we were very close when we were younger, and I was thrilled to have a little sister. And I insisted on having a little sister. When my mom was pregnant, they didn't know the gender. And I kept saying, it's a girl, it's a sister, it has to be. And they kept preparing me for if it was a boy. Like, she's going to have a meltdown. She's going to freak out if it's if she has a brother. I got my way. So that's fortunate. And But then we really became close after Jacqueline graduated college when she joined me in Denver. And I, I had already been living here after law school. I moved out to Denver from the East Coast. And yeah, now we're extra close. I think the pandemic brought us even closer because during lockdown, we only had each we lived together, so we only had each other to hang out with and I think we our bond got even stronger. Yeah, we do a lot together, mm-hmm. pretty much everything. And so it is really nice and I think yeah, if you'd asked any of our friends when we were younger like could you envision a relationship like this, they'd probably all say no, but that that 4-year age gap really didn't seem as big once we became adults. Isn't that the truth? The age gap when you're young, especially in that like tween teenage phase, 
it seems astronomical. Like it seems like it is the biggest difference, especially like you were talking 12 to 16, so much changes in your life and period. So it's just, it's so beautiful to see where your relationship has come and that you've been able to do this for each other. So that's incredible. Now I did hear you two on another podcast. So before we dive into dateability and all of that, I want to ask a question. I heard that you might like watching Bravo. Yeah, we're Bravo-holics. Yes, we <laughs> we love all reality TV, but Bravo is on our screens every night. Now, did you watch the season premiere of Vanderpump Rules last night? No. It's, so for our cable company, it doesn't come on until like 10. 10. Yeah. So I'm... I can't say that past nine. So I can always, yeah. Our mom is also a Bravo fanatic and she gets everything like at seven. So when we're home visiting her, we're like, yes, we get to watch our shows as, yeah, as they come out. But no, we're watching that. We'll watch that tonight. But was it good? It was, yeah, it was a good kind of dive back into it. But I don't think anything will be the finale of the Salt Lake City Housewives. I know that was great. I know that was really great. Or the finale of Vanderpump Blast. Oh, yeah. A scandal for sure. Yeah. I was watching some clips last night that people were posting on Instagram from the premiere before I went to bed. And so I'm, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And I think watching the other girls react to Ariana's like, newfound fame because of this is going to be really interesting because I could see I see both sides actually yeah so I'm like really curious to watch it play out but in the big in big picture Bravo and like TV and film that is that has always been like a way our family spends time together and now we I mean we always we have all the shows that we watch and do together and so it's a it's a great way to spend time with our family and just take my mind off of things mm-hmm. and take my mind off of chronic illness. She takes gets her mind off of all her stressors. So yeah, yeah, it's a good way to decompress because I'll watch other shows. We're watching True Detective right now, and they're amazing. But I will always have dreams about them. Like we just mm-hmm. binged. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll have like spy dreams. And so Bravo doesn't give me any dream. I can sleep soundly after and not have like these wild, exciting, 24-style dreams. Yeah, Bravo is definitely a good way to just kind of turn the brain off a little bit and just relax. I totally agree there. So we'll have to catch up once you watch the premiere and let me know what you think. (laughs) But yes, it definitely can be. It's a great distraction tool. And it just, because like you said, it's not, you're not having nightmares about the housewives it just allows you to kind of zone out anytime i'm in a flare i'm like okay this is time let me get some snacks let me put bravo on and i know i can just (laughs) i love it okay so we are going to dive in to dateability a bit here but first i would love to know what was your before dateability became a thing what were your dating experiences like navigating that with living with chronic illnesses? Yeah, they were, they were frankly not great. So I started to really take the dating app seriously after college. And like Alexa mentioned, we 
we're living in Denver. And so it's a very, very active place. And this whole state of Colorado puts a lot of importance on physical activity and just how adventurous and active a person is. And so whenever you match with someone here, their first questions pretty much always revolve around what do you like to do outside? How often do you go skiing, hiking, and whatever? And so that right off the bat put like a ton of pressure on me because I was like, I I don't want to seem like I don't like these things or wouldn't do them if I could, but I also don't feel like I need to divulge all this information on why I don't do these things. And so it, that was really tough. And then once I would, you know, figure out and we'd just start talking more, then at at some point I would kind of be forced to tell them whether it was just because it was relevant or like I needed an accommodation for a date. So, and that was always meant with met with rejection or offensive comments, people telling me that I should not have biological children because it would be selfish to pass on my genetics or their families saying that they shouldn't date me because it would, you know, I'd be a burden. And so these these experiences happened pretty much over and over again. And for years, I had searched for a dating app for disabled and chronically ill people because I just assumed there was one. And if you do a basic search, yes, there are things that pop up. But once you download them, you either they don't work or they're not free or it's just not real people. So we're a combination of all three. Usually, yeah. Yeah. Usually a combination of all three. And I couldn't believe it. And I just wanted to find someone who had these shared experiences. So I didn't feel like I had to hide this huge part of myself. Um, and so, yeah, just after reiterating that, like, I wish there was a place, Alexa said, let's make it. And that's what and we did. The real catalyst was Jacqueline has gastroparesis and she's always had gastroparesis, but Oftentimes, it would only really be an issue when we'd go out to dinner and she'd have a big meal or something rich. And then, when the pand around when the pandemic started, it got worse. And so, like anything she ate, like piece of toast, anything liquid, she would get sick. And so, after oh god, two years was it two years mm-hmm. of that? You know, her doctor said you're at risk of becoming malnourished. You're at risk of esophageal cancer. We need to you know to get a feeding tube for your future. And so. She went through that procedure and it was, of course, harder on her, but it also threw me for a loop. You know, I'm pretty comfortable with their chronic illnesses and it doesn't freak me out. But this this one freaked me out because I like to cook. I like to bake. And I was like, how is this going to affect our relationship? And I'm going to am I going to feel guilty for wanting to eat in front of her if I want to order food? Am I going to feel bad if I want to go out to brunch like on a whim? You know, I can I invite her? Like, what's that going to look like? Is she just going to sit, sit there and like stare at me while I eat? Like, I didn't really know. And we navigated it, you know, now you know, on special occasion, you know, for your mental health, but it's not as often as before and it's not a big deal. But I was freaking out. And so I was thinking, if I'm freaking out, how are all these potential suitors who don't know her, who don't have, you know, any experience with chronic illness or disability, how are they going to react? How are, you know, when she says, I can't go out to dinner all the time or, you know, she you can't drink, like all, all these different barriers. And so that's when I was like, OK, I agree with you. I think we need to make a safe place for you and people like you um, because dating is going to be a nightmare, unfortunately. 
Yeah, you bring up so many points. And unfortunately, it is something your experiences as similar experiences is something I frequently hear with the disabled and chronically ill community. And it is often one of those overlooked areas. We always look at, okay, your health and your wellness. We want to make sure, you know, you get your doctors, your medications, all of that. You want to make sure your physical health, whatever that looks like. But that area of relationships and intimacy is something that so often gets overlooked, but is such a vital part of life, whether that be a romantic relationship or even relationships with friends and family. Even, Alyssa, like you just said, going into that situation, you had kind of that reservation. You were like, okay, what do I do? How do I handle this? And this is somebody that's been in your life your whole life, right? So, or her whole life, because <laughs> you're the older sister. Remember the days as an only child. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so true. And thank you for sharing that. I know a lot of people listening with us right now can surely relate to what. And it makes me so sad that that is the truth, that it is so relatable because it's true. And I know. So I met my husband before. I went on dating. So I met him through a friend. So it was a little bit different. And I never explored the world of dating apps. They actually scare me. I, I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't get divorced because I don't think I could go back out there. But I remember to this day when I, so I am an endometriosis and fibromyalgia warrior. So with that, I also have some other underlying health conditions. So I had a hysterectomy at the age of 27. And I guess I was with him before then, but the conversation, inevitably, that was kind of my path that was going to happen. So talking about fertility and accommodations and all of that is something that is such a delicate conversation. And I know for myself, I was so nervous to have that conversation. Like I didn't know how I ended up and it's probably TMI of the podcast, but I'm putting it out there. I had a couple of beverages and I ended up being at my friend's house in a corner and I had called and I said, hey, so I need to tell you something and just word vomiting it out, right? A little bit of liquid courage. Yeah. But the fact that you have created a safe space where people can show up as they are authentically and they know that that is what it is, Right. So they don't have to have that anxious, nervous feeling of how do I communicate this? Like you shared with somebody just going on a hike or going out, you know, to a buffet for lunch and how the fact that you don't have to have those awkward interactions as your first interactions and you get to spend those first interactions actually getting to know each other is such a special thing. Yeah. And, and going back to your other point, like the isolation that is amongst this community is so prevalent and, and it, it's undervalued. People don't, don't see the value in connection and just relationships in general and, and how it really affects all parts of people's lives. It can literally make you sicker than you already are. It can affect your work. It just, 
affects so many things when people are isolated. And so it's really important that, yeah, we have, we give this community a platform where you're right. Like you can just present yourself as you are. And there's a just, you know, less pressure because dating is like dating is anxiety inducing no matter what. And the nerves will come no matter what. But if you don't feel like you have to hide or you don't feel like you're scared that you're going to be rejected because of this thing that you cannot help, I think that that adds a lot of value and gives people more confidence. It adds value for sure. And like you said, it takes away that barrier. There are already so many barriers for people that live with disabilities and chronic illness. So being able to take down that barrier to say, hey, there are people out there that are going to love and accept you for who you are because your health condition it is a part of you and it definitely affects your whole life and every part of your life. But it isn't all of you. There are so many interesting and incredible things about each individual and so much empathy shown and there's so much more to somebody than their, you know, what it says on their health records. Yeah, absolutely. And that was just something that I wish people could see who I went on dates with. Like, I was like, once this comes out, like, I know that these people weren't able to look past it. And, and it made me, so it made me feel like this was my entire life and that it was my entire personality. And that there, I didn't have anything else to offer and that my chronic illness was like the the biggest part of me. And throughout the years, I've just realized that, yeah, it's not. It sure affects every part, like you said, but I, it's arguably like the least interesting thing about me. A hundred percent. I'm a big believer in the word and. So you can have a chronic illness and still be a really funny person. You know, yeah. you can maybe have to go to the bathroom more than somebody else and make people pee their pants because they're making them laugh. You know, there's there's so much of that and that can be there. And I think a lot of people and it's still this stigma that is surrounding the disability and chronic illness community of that that is all that defines them. So yeah. thank you so much for creating a place where people can show up authentically. So let's dive in. I would love if you could tell us more about Datability. Yeah. So it's a free app. We will always have a free version even when we begin monetizing. And we wanted it to function like the other dating apps like Hinge, Bumble, Tinder. So we have swipe functionality. Profiles look similar. But then we obviously wanted to make it different in addition to our mission. We didn't want the mission to be the only thing that was different. And so we created what's known as the Datability Deets profile section. We were coming, trying to come up with like a fun name so it's not like health condition or, you know, just something so dry. We wanted it to be, you know, fun and light. And so we, and then we came up with an extensive list of broad terms like wheelchair user, immunocompromised, food allergy, no diagnoses. There is a type and option if somebody wants to include more information. And they just check which ones apply to them and it shows up on your profile. And so we think that that really sends the message that we don't believe that disability or chronic illness is something one needs to be ashamed of. And it reduces that anxiety. 
you don't have to disclose too many details. It kind of just gives the other person a preview of what one situation's like. Okay, if this person has chronic pain, probably not going to ask them to go rock climbing. You know, it kind of saves those conversations from happening, and which I think can be uncomfortable for most people. And then we have image descriptions on all the profile photos, the option for image descriptions. And right now we're working, we just transitioned to an in-house tech team. And so we're cleaning up the accessibility and the uh, compatibility with screen readers. We are cleaning up, you know, some of the clunkiness because it's only a year old. We launched in October of 2022. So it's, you know, I think people will join Datability and compare it to Hinge or Bumble. And then, you know, it's kind of like, well, it's not, it's apples to oranges. They're been around for a decade. They have like billions of dollars backing them. And a huge team and we're just a tiny little operation pre-revenue. And so we'll get there. But, you know, if you think about what Tinder was like when it first started or Facebook or I mean, MySpace, everywhere, every app has to start somewhere. And so this is our starting off point. But, you know, we have over 14,000 users. So that's fantastic. And, you know, we exceeded our one-year goal. We hope that, you know, by the end of this year, we've got at least 50,000 users. So we just hope that that keeps growing and we're really excited. That is absolutely incredible. 14,000 people being able to have this opportunity to connect and meet. And you're so right. Everything, once you prove the concept and with 14,000 people using and interacting on there already, that's absolutely incredible in a year. So you should both be so proud of yourselves for that growth. And like you said, everything's clunky at the beginning. Nothing. Look at Netflix. They started in a vending machine that you went to say Walmart and you were getting your groceries and you click the button and you get it out of a vending machine, right? Or you wait for it to be delivered to your house. Yes, yes. What these you wanted and they sent you like four at a time or three at a time, whatever. Yeah. And you had to wait till they arrive in the mail. I know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I also think what is really special about this app and with its focus and its mission is all of the accessibility features that you are including in it. Because there's one thing to have a mission and say, this is what it's about, but to act on that and put those in and continually doing the researching, the processing to see how you can keep it up to date. And with all of those things, it takes a lot of energy. So even though it may not be as, quote unquote, like the other ones out there, those other ones aren't giving those people what they need because they're not going to, they don't offer as many of those accessibility features. Absolutely. One thing that we have tried to do differently than the other apps is our method of profile verification. And, you know, so on Bumble, you have to submit a certain number of poses and sometimes they're very complicated. And we've heard from countless people that they can't do those poses. And so they'll contact Bumble or another app and try to get an alternative method of verification and they're rejected. And so they can't verify their profile, which leads to less likes. And it's really unfortunate. And so we took a pretty long time to come up with 20 poses that would, you know, be generally ex- accessible. And also, if, it, if they're not, we have another method to verify your profile. And we just want to make sure that there, yeah, that people can do 
everything on the app, no matter what. I think it's really important that you have, they put the energy and the effort into creating different poses and ways that people can verify because verifying is so important, especially in this day and age, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of crazy things that go on out there on the internet. So it is really great that you have that ability to be verified. Now, I have to ask while we're diving in. Yeah. So, Jasmine, have you yourself been on your app? Yes. Well, I'm definitely on it. I don't have my own success story yet just because I'm consumed with making it perfect and running datability and also managing my health. But we do have success stories from datability, which is so exciting. One of them's a couple who are both chronically ill and they met about a month or two after we launched last year. And they started out as long distance. Now they're moving in together. And then another couple was neurodivergent. They matched and they happen to live in the same city. And so they are together and it's just, it's really beautiful to see it. It's rewarding and it reaffirms that we're doing, we're doing the right thing and that what we're doing is working. That is so heartwarming and special. I love that. I love that so much. And you, yes, you are busy, busy, busy. But have you found the interaction for yourself going on there? And I know right now you're more with the function and like getting it working and allowing other users to use it. But while using it yourself, has that allowed you to navigate and kind of be like, hey, Alex, I think we should do this, or maybe let's try this as you navigate it. Yeah, and and we get a lot of user feedback, which has been helpful, but it is the difference between my conversations with people on other apps and then people on datability, whether it is platonic um, or not. It It is very different. It just seems that people are much more accepting. They have some perspective that I felt like the other people I was meeting lacked. And so it's, yeah, it, it it feels like a very, like, useful and, you know, sometimes I would feel like I was wasting my time on these other apps. Now I feel like, I'm like, great, this is a good use of my time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and especially for anybody that is living with a disability or chronic illness, your energy is your most valuable resource, 100%, right? So being able to know that I'm putting energy in, but I'm going to get something back, whether that just be a platonic conversation or you're getting to know somebody and learn something about somebody, it is, you're kind of getting that energy matched or back. I always say that when you are talking to somebody who's experienced something similar to you or God navigated life this way, it's almost like you're talking your own language that you understand and you can maybe use terms or if you're saying something about your accommodations or maybe like you had referenced hiking before, right? If you're like, I love that. That's not something I can do all the time. What if we go, what if we drive up to a site, we take it, we have maybe a little picnic or whatever that may be, right? And it's not met with as much resistance. Absolutely. I really like that. Like we're speaking our own language because that that is something that I struggled with and I know other people do, did. Like it's just 
have having to overly explain yourself your diagnoses even or just even like what accommodations are I mean I don't know I I've never had a date ask me about anything about accessibility or accommodations and and I I really believe that that's different on dateability that people are open about not only what they need but they want to know they're interested in what the other person needs and I think that's really a really lovely experience and it shows that you matter. It's so true. And you do matter. And everybody listening, you matter. And that is such an important thing. I love that. Now, for the for the users on the app, for when people apply and they go on the app, what are the criteria? So do somebody need to be living with disability or a chronic illness to be able to use the app? No, this was something that we toyed with at the beginning. Do we make it just an app for just disabled people? And we thought, one, that's going to be incredibly hard to verify. What are we going to do? Have people go out and get a doctor's note? Because then you're dealing with confidential health information. You know, tech is kind of scary these days. That's not something that we want to keep a record of. And I also don't think that people like in the age of technology that we're in, instant gratification is everything. And so I just don't think people are going to go to their doctors and get a note just to be able to sign up for a dating app when there are other dating apps out there. So we decided not to go that route. And the other aspect of that is inclusivity. In order to be a truly inclusive app, we have to welcome everyone, disabled, non-disabled. We know that there are non-disabled allies and advocates out there who are happy to date somebody with a disability and they don't have those prejudices coming in or people like me, you know, were incredibly COVID conscious and then the world, you know, the rest of the world seems to have moved away from the pandemic, but we're still masking everywhere. And so I have noticed before Datability launched when I was on the dating app, finding somebody to be cool with just literally eating outside on a patio, which in Colorado is very, like every place has a patio because we have Denver has the best weather. So it's not even like a weird request here. Just that, like knowing that I won't dine indoors, I would get ghosted. So, which is just like wild to me. And so even, you know, those people, we're seeing able-bodied people who still care about, you know, staying safe from COVID joining. So we want to welcome these people. We want to welcome everyone as long as they're respectful. We just wanted to make community. Of course, we want the majority of our users to have a disability or chronic illness because everything else is made for everyone else. And so we really did want to make this for that community, but we do welcome everyone and all genders, sexualities, races, ethnicities, everything. That's incredible. And it's good for people to know as well, right? So if yeah. somebody wants to join Dateability, what do they do? What, are, what would be their next steps if they're listening and they're said, this is for me, I need to do this, what should they do? Yeah, you can download it on Android or Apple. And then we also have a web app version. And so that's great for accessibility purposes and for people who prefer to use a desktop or a laptop. And so they can go to databilityapp.com and then you just sign up and make your profile. Everything is pretty self-explanatory. Just follow the prompts to sign up and and get swiping. Yeah, we... Uh, the a feature that we have on the app is an optional location function, which has been great because people can either search within their radius or 
they can search across the app for anyone who meets their preferences. And that has been wonderful for people who are interested in long distance or virtual companionship and or importing somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Or like or, me. That's my goal. I'm a Colorado girl through and through, but I genuinely believe my person is probably on one of the coasts. Yes. So, or yes, or importing someone. So, yeah, which is a great feature. And typically you pay for that feature on other apps and we offer it for free. That's incredible. And even the fact that you have committed to always having a free version, I think is so important because a lot of things that are disability and chronically ill friendly or things that are targeted at the community, they normally come with a cost, right? It's because these accommodations are needing to be put in place, it's going to cost you this much money. So the fact that they can experience that and sign up, I think is really cool. Yeah, thanks. It's That was that's our way to gain the trust of our community and show them that you really don't have anything to lose. You just sign up. We're not asking for 20 bucks a month. And there there will be people on here that, you know, will catch more more bees with or more flies with honey. More bees with honey, right? Whatever. Whatever the say. say. Flies. I don't know. Yeah. No, we'll, track, brain fart. We're, we'll track more people. Brain fog. It's okay. I yeah. always say this is a true chronic illness podcast because brain fog happens at least once an episode, normally with myself. That is awesome. And I'm going to make sure in the show notes, if you look below, they will have all of the information on how you can get all set up with dateability. And I'm so... I love my life and I love my marriage, but I'm jealous that I can't go swipey swipe on the app. I will. Well, need- we want to introduce the platonic friendship version. And, you know, I'm sure you have lots of friends. You seem so outgoing and lovely, but I think, you know, for Jacqueline, you know, she also has friends, but none of them before dis- dateability were disabled. And so sometimes there's that disconnect there or Things that were intent- well-intended were actually offensive. And so I think that that's really important for people who are in romantic relationships. They still want that the, that community, that platonic community. And so you can swipe soon, hopefully. I love that because I will definitely do that. It is. It's so important to have those people that understand because, yes, your support system can be the best support system on the planet. I am fortunate enough I am surrounded by really good people that have always been allies and advocates for me. But that doesn't mean they fully understand what's going on, right? So by having people in your world that understands that you can have those authentic conversations with, that even sometimes you just want to like get things out and, you know, maybe vent, get some feedback with somebody that understands. I think that that, oh, I'm excited for that. Okay, so a question that I always ask near the end of the episode is I would love to know that what would you tell your younger self? So think back to when you were first going through your diagnosis journey, when you first became chronically ill, you were going through that. What is something you would tell your younger self? Oh, I think I would tell myself that it's going to be a lot different than you ever imagined and that you'll go through things that you never 
even considered you'd have to go through, but you'll learn so much and that you'll see that your family and your friends are your biggest support system and that it's okay to rely on them. And, and it's true. I really could not do it without my family by my side and my friends. And, and so I'm really grateful I have that strong support system because I know that not everyone is as fortunate. And yeah, I'm really happy that I've been able to grow throughout this whole chronic illness journey, you know, bad days and good days, but I've learned a lot about myself and about the world. Thank you so much for helping because I know this segment and like asking those questions, it helps people either at the beginning of their journey or as they are discovering things. So thank you for sharing that. I agree. I think one thing, and I feel like Selma Blair said this, and she might not have, so don't quote me on it, but something that from the chronic illness and the disabled community is empathy. And I think really for myself, it's changed my perspective on anybody that I encounter in life because you really never know somebody's journey. You never know what kind of day they had. You never know what they're experiencing. So to to lead with empathy and kindness and showing respect, I think is huge. So yeah. Now, would the two of the incredible founders of Dateability like to share anything else today on the podcast? Yeah, just give Dateability a mm-hmm. shot. I think that as we grow, there's just going to be more and more success stories. And I think it's a relief when you can just be yourself. And I'm not sure that many people in our community have ever felt that relief because just so many things aren't made for us. And so might take some time getting used to, but it's, yeah, it's a great experience when you feel seen and heard and understood. Amazing. So make sure, go check it out, tell a friend and get on there and start swipey swiping. Thank you both so much for joining me today. This was absolutely incredible. And I have learned so much. I know our listeners have learned so much as well. And thank you once again for creating something that was so needed in our community and I think is going to create so much value in people's life in the form of connection and bringing people together. And I just, I can't wait to hear all the success stories. And I can't wait to see where dateability goes. Thank you for the kind words and for having us on. Yes, it was great. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to this episode. If this episode inspired you or you connected with it, we would love to hear from you. Can you do us a favor? Take just two minutes to leave us a review. Your words can make the world of a difference on our podcast journey. We genuinely appreciate your support. Hit that subscribe button and click the plus sign at the top to follow us. That way, you'll be the first to know when a new episode drops. Trust me, you won't want to miss the exciting content we have in store. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. Until next time, sending you love, hugs, and all the spoons.